The Lord be with you. We're going to look at the gospel text for today. Um, and maybe a little on the front side of it, too. Um, let us uh, start with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, as we come before you and bow our knee to you, our Lord, help us always to know that it is truly you who does everything we need for our salvation, and that we can do nothing, that apart from you, we have no hope. So always keep our eye fixed on you and your work on the cross. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, this, this rich young man, I think it's in all three Gospels, and uh, the words are slightly different, uh, but uh, interesting in Mark's Gospel, um, one key to this text, and this is Mark 10:17. If you have a Bible, it uh, the text follows directly after um, Jesus saying, "Let the children come to me." Uh, and I'm just going to read that for background. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is really kind of a key to this whole chapter, and it points out the fact that um, we need this faith of little children. And if, if you've had children, you, you know their faith, you, you tell them things and they believe it. Um, I, I, I'm guilty of many things on that front. Um, you know, we'll go to the doctor and this won't hurt. Uh, yeah, well, they believe that. Um, you know, we'll go to the dentist, this, that, that, that. they believe that. Um, one of my daughters, I won't say which, actually thought that I could sing, um, I think it was Here Comes Santa Claus, in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. She actually thought I could sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in Chinese, I think until she was about 12. <laughs> and she turned to us, no, my dad knows Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in Chinese. And I go, Yeah. And her friends go, really? Yeah. And I went, hing kong, kachung kong, 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 takatakatong, ding dong. And about five lines in, she looked at me and she goes, you don't know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in Chinese. <laughs> I said, no, I don't, but it's been fun for all these years. So, I mean, children, I guess you might say, are gullible, but they also come with such an innocent faith, you know, an innocent believing. And, you know, that... The key to Scripture is that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to simply believe um, and trust in Him. So, you know, unless we come like a little child. Um, so, then you come to the rich young man, some say ruler, I think, and it says, as he was setting out on his journey, that's Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him. Um, what journey? Jesus' whole journey is to Jerusalem, to the cross. That's where he is headed. 
That's where he will fulfill um, his, his work on earth. Um, so he's headed to the cross, and this man comes up and kneels before him and asks him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, this word good teacher, uh, one commentary I read said there's really nothing else in, uh, in historical literature where you would find a rabbi or a teacher referred to as good. Um, this is kind of an anomaly, I guess, on his point, but um, in, in calling him good and asking what must I do to inherit eternal life, Jesus says, why do you call me good? And, uh, you know, my, my sermon will delve into that a little bit and how we call things good. But um, no one is good except God alone. So he, he kind of just, boom, jumps into this confession of who he's kneeling in front of and, you know, maybe doesn't fully recognize it or maybe he does. But, but even if he does recognize it, he comes with the assumption that there's something else he must do. Um, and that's one of the greatest fallacies of all other religions, is that there's something you have to do uh, to inherit some sort of eternal life or salvation or nirvana or uh, reincarnation. You know, you, you got to do something. If you aren't a good horse, you're going to come back as a frog. You know, I'm, I'm glad we don't do that. That would just be... I don't know where the joy is in that, <laughs> you know. Um, but um, what must I do? Uh, so he points him to the law and all the things that it requires. And um, he says, you know the, oops, 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 double page. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And he goes from five, fifth commandment to about eight uh, and then sort of do not defraud, and that's kind of the, the ninth and tenth. He says, honor your father and mother. He jumps back to the fourth, this whole second uh, table of the law. And he says to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Um, well, I guess he hadn't been in Pastor Feeney's confirmation class, because um, or mine for that matter, I hope, because I think that's what we try and still is that the law is something we cannot keep. But their, their whole thing, what was good to them was the law. Um, that was the good thing they had. The law that God had given that showed them, the, the Jews as an as a unholy people, an unrighteous people, how they might live with a righteous God. That's what the law did for them uh, as they left Egypt. And God was with them, and they did all these things so God could stay with them and would not depart. And uh, they failed miserably, and he, for the most part, stayed, but there were times he withdrew. Um, so, to, so to do good would be to do the law, and all these he's kept from his youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, and Jesus is doing this alien work of giving him the law to draw him closer to himself um, and trying to get him to see that uh, you know, the law is not there so he can keep it. It's there to show him that he can't keep it. 
Um, so he says, looks at him loving, he says, you lack one thing. Um, and that for him is go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Um, disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Um, and this I'll delve into in sermon a little more. But for him, this thing was all the stuff he had. He was, uh, what, he was probably a, uh, in the synagogue, probably a, uh, a ruler of some sort. Um, I think uh, Pastor Feeney had said that uh, he thought he was actually Theophilus, that uh, it was written to in Romans. Um, so we, we don't know that he ever, by this book, we don't know, you know he, he turned away and went away sorrowful. Um, so we believe that he did come around to faith in Christ. Um, but at this point, he was just like, how do I do this? And, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's a, a stumbling block for, for all of us. You know, how would we keep the commandments? Um, but the one he knelt before was the one that would keep all of them. And he just didn't see that that was a gift that he was to receive, um, just letting go of the things he had. Uh, maybe not actually physically, but just realizing that all this stuff doesn't matter. Um, there was nothing he had that was going to enter into eternal life with him. It was all going to get left behind. Um, and... Um, we uh, had one person in the congregation that uh, knows that well now, not saying that person had been holding their stuff to themselves, but I mean, it's just a realization we all have that we put an emphasis on what we have today, what we have now, instead of putting an emphasis always on Christ and what we have to come and how short this life is. Um, so, the, uh, I mean, the takeaway on this is, is simply that Christ does what we can't do. He gives up all. He gives himself. And we trust in that as, our, as the, the atonement for our salvation, for our sin, uh, for all the things we can't do to earn it for ourselves. And I, I guess you might read this text in a way that you know if if you were that rich man or that rich woman I mean what are you rich in what would what is the thing that you hold on to that you couldn't give up for Christ and that might be the thing he might turn to you and say go get rid of this give up this and follow me um we all have something we want to hold on to within our sinful nature. And in, in my sermon, I explored, you know, Genesis and some proof on that just a little bit. But, um, I, you know, wealth isn't the total problem. There, it, wealth can be many things far beyond money. We, you know, we put our treasure in various things. And I think 
at least in this country, we think of money um, because we have so much of it, it seems. Um, but if you go to you know, South Africa or places where they have no money, they certainly might have other things that they value, you know, maybe above uh, their faith in Christ that they don't want to give up. Um, maybe it's food. Maybe that's just their ultimate value, um, that the thought of simply giving up their meals uh, and trusting God, you know, maybe, maybe they have a job that allows them free food to take home. I don't know. Uh, but to give that up, no, I can't do that. Um, so there's something we all have, and, and it's because of our sinful natures that just can't um, love, fear, and trust God above all things. And that is really what he was asking this rich young man to do. Just give it all up. You're kneeling before me. Just love, fear, and trust me above all things and follow me where I'm going. Um, the disciples didn't even have a full grip on that one. You know, they're still wanting a kingdom of glory. They're wondering who's going to be the greatest. And uh, they don't realize the suffering that will come. And it was going to come. And um, in this world, we will suffer. Chuck. Please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. The point being that the the young man, um, it, it you know, it says he went away sorrowful. He doesn't say he was condemned to hell. Um, and he very likely, you know, we know the word of God does not go out and not accomplish its purpose. It accomplishes his purpose, and that's why I say it, it's believed possibly that this uh, young man was Theophilus that that uh, actually commissioned a book of the Bible. Um, and that he had a, uh, worked in the background. But in order to do that, he had to have faith in Christ that his work would go forth. And if, you know, if he lost anything for that, that that's all gain. Um, he had to put his faith and trust in Christ. Um, so, yeah, uh, God's word does what it says. And um, it was hard for him to hear at that point. And, and for us. You know, it can be hard for us to hear. Or if we share it with somebody, it can be hard for them to hear. But we're just one voice. And we say something, and somebody else says something, and we don't know where that person may go. I, the, the mobile society we live in, where we know people sometimes for such a short period of time, and, you know, we have an opportunity to share the gospel or a piece of the gospel or give someone some comfort with the gospel, 
and we think nothing of it, or gee, they didn't come to church on Sunday, they said they might, but they move on, and someone else says something. We trust the Holy Spirit to do what it promises, and that is create faith um, through God's Word. So we open our mouths and, and we give that. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts or comments or... Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so in essence, what he's saying is you haven't even kept the first. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that you know he comes running and kneels before them, he, he's heard. He's heard about this good teacher, you know. And like I say, that that good comes out of his mouth, and you know, really confessing that this is God. But then when he says it in his real presence, and here I am before a man, and I just called this guy good, and he just told me nobody's good but God. Okay, you know, now which way do I go? You know, so that's why I say, maybe, maybe in the back of his mind, there's some other stuff going through his head while he's hearing. I know there's many things going through my head a lot of times. But, um, but yeah, that, uh, that Jesus just cuts him, and you, know, you haven't even kept the first commandment and trusting in everything I'm going to do. And I realize you don't know yet everything I'm going to do. You know, he probably knew the promise, and probably had a hope that this was him, but he didn't know for sure. So he says, follow me. And where is he going to follow him to? He's going to follow him to Jerusalem. You know, I mean, um, and, and see what I do that you can't do. And, and that, you know, for our catechumens, I, th- I think it's, it's one thing that impresses me through all the Old Testament. God is just like, just stand back and watch what I will do. Because you can't do this. You know, Red Sea, take your pick, wherever it is. God intervenes and uh, brings salvation, and it culminates in Christ. And that's why Jesus on the cross says, it's finished, it's done. There's nothing else going to be done, this is it. And that's where he wanted him to follow and see. Um, Let's see. Mm, We don't want to go forward, because that's next week. That would be bad. We just blow it all up right there. Um, so yeah, uh, I. Uh, any questions? Um, I'm, I'm going to change topics now. Any questions about uh, the sermon last week? Divorce and uh, all that. I I I hope. What you heard is that, um, yes, our sinful natures mess up marriage. We have since the beginning of time. And ever since sin entered the world, what God gave in the Garden of Eden, we've broken 
continuously. Um, we've broken it before we get married with adultery. We've broken it after we've been married with sinful lust. We've broken it after we've been married with divorce. But in all those things, um, God's forgiveness reigns supreme when we confess our sins and um, seek his grace and mercy. Um, I, you know, that, that you, you know, people that divorce can be remarried. But, and there are people who get a divorce and they are innocent. You know, there's been infidelity by their partner and they're caught up and taken off guard. Um, they're innocent in that. Or there's abuse and they're innocent. They're victims in that. And when those people divorce, I mean, that, you know, while it breaks God's heart because it shouldn't ever happen, it's not God's will. It, it doesn't mean he wants you to stay in a relationship where you are at risk or your children are at risk or you're not supported or you're abandoned or um, any of those things. Uh, there is forgiveness. But, but divorce is always the result of sin someplace. And when you talk to your pastor about this, or you talk to a friend about this, you know, you hear what's going on, and you hear one side. Um, so uh, there's always two sides. I, 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 there's not a side that says, well, so-and-so did this, so I abused the snot out of him. You know, no, that, that's not right. And the way God instituted marriage, that would never happen. I mean, the man is supposed to protect his wife the way Christ protects his church, and the wife is supposed to, in loving response to that, submit to his will. And his will should be that she has everything she needs and is blessed in every way she can be blessed, and the blessing of children in marriage. Um, so I, I hope no one went away from that thinking that I was in any way condemning, you know, everyone and every act of divorce, because there are victims in that. Um, children, wives, husbands. Um, but there is also forgiveness in every one of those situations when people repent. And um, that is the true will of God, that we trust and fear and love him above all things, even above our most grievous failings. And I have said once before that, you know, it's hard for us to believe that God could forgive the serial killer on death row if he had one of those thief on the cross moments and said, man, what a wretched person I am. I can't believe I did all this. Christ have mercy on me. I hope to God himself that I can have faith that he forgives him because I don't know what I might do that I might want that same forgiveness. And for some people, maybe that's divorce. And that's, they need to know they're forgiven too. And they still have that hope. So, um, I just wanted to say that and let that be known. And I would gladly talk to any of you that have questions So, on that one. Um, what else? Any questions, thoughts, anything? I'm an open book. It's not real big, but, you know, I'll turn all three pages, <laughs> you know. Um,
Okay. Uh, Pastor McKay is going to be here next week. So probably most of the, uh, hopefully a lot of people are here. Most of the Bible study hour will probably just let, to, let him, you know, talk to people and mingle and uh, introduce his family. He's bringing uh, all four kids. So um, sadly, I think he had a couple of kids that were supposed to, that were ran in a uh, cross-country race, something like that, Friday. And if they won, they were going to run in state and they were going to have to be there on Friday. But sadly, they did not win. Joyfully, they'll be here on Friday afternoon sometime, and, uh, and the whole family will be coming instead of just two sons, so, so that'll be good. But pray for them uh, that they have a uh, blessed trip and a safe trip and uh, enjoy their visit with us and gain whatever information they need to help them prayerfully consider this call, um, and pray for their, the congregation there too as they have to realize that their pastor could be called away and it will leave them going through what we have gone through now for a better part of uh, almost a year or so. Um, other thoughts? No? So we had a funeral this week, had a wedding yesterday, had two babies born this week. Um, it, it's been rocking. So... <laughs> It's been good. It's been good. Busy, but good. Um, I guess that's it. I will be gone most of next week. I'll be at a conference, pastor's conference in Michigan. So if you need anything, if you have my cell phone number, use it. Or if you call the church office and we need it, will get you in touch with me. So I will be there. Um, with that, we'll close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the overflowing abundance of forgiveness you give for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that we would always keep our minds and our hearts focused on you and your will for our lives. And when, even when we fail miserably, we may understand that Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection covers all of our failings. Help us to ever trust in that and hope for the glory of the resurrection and eternal life with all the saints in heaven. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.